Welcome to Hey Therapist. I'm your host, Leslie Ross. With me is my producer, Jay Wesley Lindley. Let's get mental. Hello, everyone. Continuing on our attachment style role, we have done the overview episode and we have talked about secure attachment style. If you haven't listened to those yet, go back and listen to those. But today we are going to talk about anxious attachment style. This is also known as preoccupied attachment style. Individuals with anxious attachment style have a need for constant reassurance. They have lots of feelings of insecurity, usually feel unworthy and need constant reassurance from their partners. They make statements like, you're too good for me, or I don't deserve this, those types of things. These individuals are very self-doubting. They're very sensitive and they're usually anxious, kind of ambivalent children as well. And I have to say, this was me. I've talked about this before in the other episodes. This was me for a lot of years. Um, I kind of had an anxious attachment style. I really couldn't tell you where it comes from. I have the benefit of a head injury, so I don't really remember like my youth and childhood. I have good memories about a lot of things, but I don't have a lot of memories about a lot of things. So I don't know where it comes from in reality. But, you know, it can lead to that insecurity, that self-doubt. You know, when you're in, in high school and you have those relationships, there's a lot of games that get played and you like the boy and then they act like they like you and then they don't like you and it can make you a little insecure. And if you have enough of those relationships, it can lead to an anxious attachment style. But, you know, one of the things that I noticed about myself in relationships is, you know, I always wanted to check in. I'm a check-inner and I was still that way. Like I'm still a check-inner, but it's not because I'm anxious. It's just because, hey, I'm not doing anything right now. How was your day? But I worked very hard on not being that person that sends the rapid fire text of, are we okay? Is everything okay with you? What's going on when you just don't hear from somebody in a certain amount of time? So, you know, now with that switch into secure, you become checking in, hey, had a free moment, how's your day, whatever. And you don't have the expectation that they're going to answer you right back. And I still may push a little, like if I know something's going on or if someone's not giving me full information, which I recognize they're not, I may push a little to get answers. And, you know, if it's if it's something that maybe has happened or whatever, I'm going to say what I need to say and then move on from it. But that anxious attachment style is often caused by early childhood experiences. And it's usually caused when a a primary caregiver is inconsistent or unavailable. So they may learn to expect that people won't be there for them, that they may learn like that belief we talked about already about how they're not worthy of love or attention. They may be really insecure because love and attention was not consistent. And so it can create confusion in children when they can't understand why their caregivers are being inconsistent. Maybe the caregiver has their own mental health struggles and are good sometimes or distant or cold and punitive others. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. The child is going to try to learn how to keep someone happy or keep them engaged or keep the peace. And so They don't really understand that maybe their caregiver is just has their own issues. Maybe they have their own struggles. Maybe they don't know how to parent very well. Maybe they're mirroring what their parents did. 
but they're going to try to understand how to make it. And they're going to learn that there's no emotional security in a relationship. And that foundation is unstable. And a lot of these uh, people become people pleasers. They believe they're supposed to put other people's needs first. And it can also lead to some codependency because if you are anxiously attached and you have someone that you need to feed you essentially with your energy, you want to be there all the time and you you depend on them to make you happy. You depend on them for your security. You depend on them for a lot of things. And if you have two anxiously attached people, it can sometimes look like a healthy relationship because they're so involved with each other, but they also can't be away from each other because they need that dependency. So it can really get, really get kind of toxic and not great in a relationship. It can work. For a while until someone maybe starts growing and changing and be like, oh, I don't I don't like this. This is too much. I'm feeling smothered. But it can work, but it's not ideal. Um, you're anxiously attached are also going to blame themselves for all the problems in the relationship. It may be the phrases of I'm sorry, I suck or I man, I screwed that up. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. I don't deserve this. I You're too good for me. I shouldn't have this or whatever it is. So you may hear that a lot uh, with an anxiously attached person because they really feel like they're failing. If you are not happy, they feel like they're failing in the relationship. If you are not happy and pleased with them, they feel like they're doing something wrong. Jealousy and distrust is a really big thing with anxiously attached individuals. And it's because those unreliable attachments create kind of a poor self-esteem. It creates a system where they don't believe they're good enough. And so when you don't believe you're good enough and you're with someone, you believe they're always looking. You believe they're out there looking for someone else and you're worried about that. And so you may project that jealousy and distrust onto someone um, and they're going to be like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, I've never done anything. You could like, you may have full access to their stuff. They may have let you go through their phone. They may do it. And they're still jealous of you. And that's just a healthy attachment style. You know, I will throw in, if you can't trust the person that you're with, you shouldn't be with them. Like as humans, you should be able to never stop appreciating a good looking person. It doesn't mean you want them. Like I am the type of person, I know other relationships like this, where if I'm with someone, they're like, oh my God, look at that girl. Or I can be like, look at her ass, like golly, check her out. And I'm not concerned that my partner is going to go try to be with them. But I'm going to look at the good looking guy and be like, damn, he's hot. And my partner should be okay with that because the guy can be hot and I cannot be interested in wanting to go hook up with him or whatever. Those I can do both. And so you, you need that security in there. But the root of all of that, the root of the anxious attachment is that fear of abandonment, is that fear of being rejected or being alone. And if you can get to that securest attachment style, you get to be in a healthy relationship and also be alone and be okay. So you can do both. You can be in a relationship or you could be alone or you could be in a relationship and spend alone time and you're okay with all of that in that secure relationship style. But in the anxious style, it makes you really, it just, it really bothers you. It makes you really concerned about what's going on. And a relationship can happen, but relationships and true intimacy, um, if you want that to to go smoothly, an anxiously attached person feels like they need to give up their needs to please their partner. But when your needs aren't being met, 
you become unhappy. It's, you know, on the plane, they say, always put your oxygen mask on first because when you give up your oxygen, you run out of air. You put your own mask on before you render aid. If you're not emotionally and mentally safe, you're really not going to help anyone else feel that way. And you need to have that for yourself because relationships aren't ever 50-50. I mean, in reality, if you want spectacularness, they should be 100-100, but they're not because life happens. And at some point, you may have to pull the other person's weight. They may be struggling. They may be stressing and it's become 70-30. It becomes 60-40, whatever it is, but that's not the norm. You shouldn't be constantly pulling more weight of the relationship than the other person. Because if you are, that means you're really trying to make someone happy. And if you're pulling all the weight in a relationship, there's two things that's happening. Either your partner that you're with is an unhappy person and they have their own struggles and they're never going to feel secure in a relationship until they figure out what those are. Or the person really doesn't want to be with you, but they're riding it along because you're doing all the work. Like if, if, if they can have you and not put in any work, they may just be perfectly happy with that. So you have to examine what type of relationship you're in. And the anxiously attached person may have the belief that it's better to be unhappy than to be alone because we have abandonment issues. We have these things that go on in their heads that it's really important to recognize why am I staying in this relationship? Why am I being unhappy when I could just be alone And sometimes it's just that fear of being alone. But as I've said before, it's better to be alone and sometimes lonely than lonely when you have someone sitting next to you, because that is the absolute worst. And the anxiously attached individuals are really perceptive of partners. So if you're with an anxiously attached person, they may know what's going on with you before you know what's going on with you. And it's because they are so perceptive of what's going on because they've spent their whole lives trying to please people. They've spent their whole lives reading the room. Like they know when someone's getting upset with them or they know when someone comes in as a mood in a mood and it's, what do I do with this? Do I leave it alone? Do I engage? Do I try to do this? Do I give them something to make them feel better? But they're, they're anticipating and they're always on guard because they're always anxious. They're always in that high alert phase. Sometimes it's through the wrong lens though. So they're seeing this distorted image and with this distorted image of an unhappy person, because you may have just really had a shitty day at work and you come home and you have an anxiously attached partner and you're not talking much, you're kind of withdrawn because you're processing the day and they're like, oh my God, what's wrong with them? What did I do? Did I make them mad? Did I not do something? Was I supposed to do something? Am I supposed to make them happy? So they're in their head about how it's them and making you unhappy and they're taking it personally When in fact, you just had a shitty day and you kind of want to be left alone, but you would like your partner to recognize that, but they don't because they're internalizing it. And that anxiously attached person also will lead to some game playing and trying to manipulate to get reassurance. And it could be the not returning calls or trying to make you jealous, threatening to leave the calling and texting obsessively just to get a response. And it's, it's all forms of an emotional fit, right? They're throwing a little emotional temper tantrum and they want you to engage. You may engage because you care about that person, but you're kind of enabling if you're engaging. 
Now, we don't want to be disrespectful to someone's emotions. Like if someone's highly anxious and they're doing all of these things and you say, hey, listen, I need you to take it down because remember we talked about communication. We talked about being able to say these things to people. It's like you're in your head right now. There's nothing wrong with us. I'm just I'm truly just out with my friends. I don't need you blowing up my phone. And your partner should recognize that and respect that. And if they don't, then that's a problem within the relationship that you need to figure out if you want to be a part of. Because if it is, that's this person's mode. If they're not willing to change, if they won't recognize an issue, if they're saying, it's just how I am, which by the way, listen, if someone says, it's just how I am, just just leave now. Like nothing good comes from that statement. Because sometimes maybe it is how you are, but you're going to have to explain that. And if it's how you are and it's something I can't deal with, then it's time for me to go. Because it may be how you are and maybe you don't want to work on it and maybe it's not that big of an issue. It may not be that big of an issue for someone else. But if someone with a blanket statement or a hard, fast period at the end of it's just how I am and they're in a relationship with you, then that's a problem. So that's my, that's my side note of the day. So how do you know if someone has an anxious attachment style? How do you know if this is you or your, your partner or your friends? We talk about that fear of abandonment again. They worry that their partners are going to leave and they can become very, very clingy or demanding in an attempt to prevent this from happening. They're the ones that just move in. Like all of a sudden you just have someone living with you and you're like, oh, you're, you're still here. Why are you? It's Monday. It's not the weekend. You should be at your own house. Why are you, why are you still here? It is because they don't want to leave because they're afraid. They're afraid if I leave, it's going to go wrong. So you have to recognize that early. That's one of your early red flags. We got to look for those red flags. They have a low self-esteem. They feel unworthy. Just deep down in the core of their being, in the deep, dark parts of themselves they may not want to talk about, they feel unworthy of love, of attention, and they may have a hard time believing that their partners really actually care about them. It may be the, oh, you don't like, why would you like me? Why do you want me to be a part of your life? Why I'm not good enough for you. And you're sitting on your time going, yes, you are. It's fine. I care about you. And it's just, it can become very, very exhausting. They're easily triggered. They may become upset or anxious if their partners don't respond to them the way they want. Because any any dissent in communication, any side notes, any digressions from where you're at, they can be perceived as a sign of rejection. They're very suspicious. And it goes back to that jealousy part. They are super suspicious. They have a really hard time trusting people and their motives and believing when their partner's being honest with them. You know, it's the person you may have to justify yourself to. It's the person that may want to go through your phone and and make sure that that's the communication you had or that's where you were or whatever it is. And it becomes really, really exhausting. Uh, They're also highly sensitive to criticism. And so it's really hard to tell them, listen, this behavior is really rough for me to deal with. Like, there's no reason for you to be acting this way. There's no reason for you to... Uh, be so jealous, but they don't, they don't believe that because they don't trust other people. Most anxiously attached have experienced some sort of trauma, uh, such as abuse, neglect, or abandonment. Um, And then 
people who are more anxious or insecure in general may be more likely to develop an anxious attachment style. So it could be someone who had a decent childhood that had parents that may have been accepting of them. But when they got into that adolescent phase, into peer groups and relationships and all of those things, they weren't able to find a good friend group or they couldn't find a boyfriend or girlfriend when they wanted one. And so they really internalize that to be not good enough. If you're with someone that has an anxious attachment style, how do you deal with that? Or if you yourself has anxious attachment, how do you deal with that? We want to learn what our triggers are. What triggers your anxiety? And then you try to manage these. So if you know that you like to message all day, then you need to be with someone that likes to message all day. Or you need to have an understanding of how much messaging your partner can do. And it may be okay with your partner that you message them all day. You can just send them messages all day when you're thinking about it, tell them little things, all of those things but not expect them to respond all the time or at least right away because maybe they don't have the environment that they can do that. Even if, let's say it's the man that's anxiously attached and you have a partner who stays at home with the kids, they probably don't have their phone in their hand all day. They are taking care of kids, they're feeding, they're changing diapers, they're chasing, they're cleaning house. They're doing all of these other things that may not involve the ability to sit there and chat on their phone all day. So you have to understand and be respectful of what your partner has going on or your friends or whoever it is. When you don't hear from people for a long amount of time, well, what's a long amount of time? Because that's kind of relative, right? Is it, you know, if you have a partner and you message them and they don't message you back for like two days, yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) Like You don't have a partner, by the way, if they're not messaging you back for two days. But if they messaged you in the morning, you got your good morning message and you communicated and then you don't hear from them until maybe lunch. That's reasonable. Maybe, maybe they do have their phone, but they're not on it. They're doing other things. Maybe they do just sit in an office and do paperwork or are on their computer all day. That doesn't mean they can have their phone in their hand and be messaging you. So it's really important to be mindful about what someone's doing. Maybe you see that they're online on messenger, but they haven't read your message. Well, they may use it for work. They may have someone they work with that messages through Messenger and they're using that. So, you know, it's it's important to kind of check yourself and recognize, is this a thing or what's going on? Because if you message them and then you see they're online and they don't message you back or they read your message and they left you on read, well, maybe they read it in passing or they're with a group or something and they don't want to be on their phone or they can't be on their phone, but they had 10 seconds to read your big long message that you sent them, but they don't have time to respond to it. Like, are you going to be okay if they just send you a thumbs up that they read it and they don't respond? Probably not. But that could be their way of going, yeah, I got it. I read it. I can't answer you. But if that's not communicated well and you guys don't have a plan, then it could be a problem. So you need to challenge those negative thoughts. How are you feeling about it and what thoughts are going through your mind? You know, we talked about this in a way earlier episode. When you feel yourself getting triggered, what is actually happening in that moment? What do you feel? Where do you feel it? And what does it mean to you? What does this mean to me? Well, I feel, okay, I'm feeling ignored. But does my partner ignore me? Really? Like, is this who they are? The the answer should be no. 
Because if it is, again, you shouldn't be with that person. But, you know, if the answer is no, they wouldn't ignore me. They must be busy. Okay, you stick with that. And if you need to write crazy messages, write them to a friend. Like if you need to, to, to get that anxiety out, read a book, journal, do whatever you need to do. But you don't bombard your partner who you can trust and loves you with these messages to make them feel like it's their responsibility to take care of you. So we work on that self-soothing. What are those techniques? Is it messaging that friend? Is it journaling? Is it going for a walk? Is it listening to music? Is it just turning your phone off so you don't recognize that they haven't messaged you? Whatever it is, find those techniques that can calm you down. Practice that self-compassion. We did a couple of episodes about self-love and self-compassion. Be kind to yourself about it. If you have a moment, let's say you're working on changing your attachment but yet something happens and you rapid fire, you blow somebody's phone up or you go off on your partner because they weren't where they said they were going to be or whatever it is, check yourself a little bit and then say, yeah, my bad. We own it and we move forward and we recognize why we did it. Why did we do it? Why did I have that reaction? And we work on those. And so we go back through that loop of why and and how and how do I fix it to keep this from happening again? If all of that doesn't help and you can't do it for yourself, there's always professionals out there. You can find yourself a a therapist. You can uh, find therapists that specialize in attachment styles and relationships. And so you can always look for that. And if you're with someone who is anxiously attached, you know, the most important thing is they're probably people pleasers. You know, they're probably going to try to please you all the time. And it may be communicating with them that you don't need that. It may be communicating that they get to pick the restaurant. They get to do, you know, you you have a lot of people. And sometimes, so I'll, I'll just say for myself, if somebody says, where do you want to eat? Most of the time I'm like, I don't care. And I really don't care. Like, it's not because I'm trying to, you know, put it off or I'm trying to make someone else make the decision. I really don't care. Like, and you're not going to name something and then me be like, oh no, I don't want to go there. Like, cause I may tell you where I want, I know I don't want this though. Like I'm good with anything, but, but a lot of times I don't care. And so if someone else has a preference, let's do that. That's not me people pleasing. It's cause I really don't care and I don't want to make a decision. But if you're with someone who's always like, I don't know, what do you want? I don't know how do we, well, what would you like to do? I don't know. Make them make a decision every now and then and you go with it and enjoy it because they're so afraid of making the wrong decision and upsetting you that they may not make any decisions. And so that anxious attachment style, it really is one of those things that's kind of hard to move through because we think what we're doing is right and and it comes from that flight part of our brain and we're in that mode of fixing and creating and doing that we sometimes forget, I don't need to do that. Like this is someone I trust and care about. They're not going to do anything to hurt me. And even if they do, I'll be okay because obsessing and messaging and calling and worrying and being distrustful and being jealous has never made anybody not do anything. I can tell you that because if they're going to do something in the relationship, they're going to do it. And you obsessing about it and being fearful of it is more of a you issue than a them. You need to figure out why you're with someone that you would worry about doing those types of things for one, but also it's going to be okay 
Like your happiness shouldn't depend on someone else. And with anxious attached people, it kind of does. Like we said, they become a little codependent. So just be mindful of what you're doing uh, in your relationship. And if you feel yourself kind of getting spun up by these little things, take a check on it and see and see what's going on with you. Work on building that secure attachment style. For my producer, Jay Lindley, I'm Leslie Ross. Thank you all for joining us. Please send any questions or comments through the website, heytherapist.com or email help at heytherapist.com. They may be featured on the show anonymously. Hey Therapist is an SEOK radio production and is for your entertainment purposes only. Thank you for joining us. Make good choices. (laughs) 